From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on inside, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool and come warm yourself by the fire. Warm yourself by the fire, it's July for crying out loud. <laughs> anyway, there are stories to be told and you are among friends. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Uh, Jason Quitt and Bob Mitchell, co-authors of Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler, are standing by. And uh, we'll get to that conversation in just moments. Let me remind you, first of all, I encourage you to get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. That's your portal, uh, not only to this radio show, but to the uh, the television program and some other projects that I've got brewing. Uh, and while you're there on the... Um, on the landing page, you can click on the radio page, and that'll get you into this show. Uh, and then you can click on the blue member button on the left-hand side, and uh, that's where you join, become a member. It's fast, easy, and best of all, free, my favorite words. And uh, that allows you access to member-only areas, like the past audio archives. And that allows you to listen to shows going all the way back. Uh, I think we go back as far as the summer uh, of 2012. So that's uh, like four years now worth of um, of past shows that you can wade through and uh, you can listen every night and catch up. Uh, and uh, also you can um, you can have access to the uh, the past uh, guest info where you'll find all the information on past guests, the links to their websites, uh, their books and so forth. There's even a book club, all sorts of great stuff. It's definitely worth taking a few minutes and signing up. All right, how often have you looked at life and thought there must be more than just this? Well, my next guest, Jason Quitt, uh, and his co-author, Bob Mitchell, they're proof, living proof that there is. You're going to find answers to some of humankind's greatest questions in their new book, Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. And uh, as a multidimensional time traveler, Jason has experienced the past, the present, and the future from ancient Egypt and Atlantis to our possible pre- and post-apocalyptic future. He's been a witness to our unrecorded history. All right, let's introduce Bob. Bob Mitchell is a Canadian author and journalist who covered crime and sports for the Toronto Star for more than 35 years. He's a field investigator for MUFON, based in Ontario, and an executive with MUFON Canada. Bob is also co-founder of Toronto Newswire Services uh, at Tor Newswire. Jason Quitt is a graduate of the Institute of Energy Wellness and a student of Algonquin shamanism has been training and working with many teachers, shamans, and traditional healers from around the world. Jason is also the author and teacher of Egyptian Postures of Power and the Yosef Codes, Methods of Personal Hearing, Healing and Practice. As a channeler of universal and dimensional energies of healing, he combines these methods and modalities of energy medicine, shamanism, and dowsing to assist those on their personal paths of healing and enlightenment. Jason Quitt, Bob Mitchell, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Uh, I'm feeling a little tired but from last night's show, and, uh, but uh, we're rare to go. And uh, for people who think I'm really old because of that 35 years at the star, just let them know that I started when I was eight years old. So. Ex- exactly, <laughs> yes. You were, a, you were a prodigy. I was just, uh, you know, just out of the womb and... Started to learn how to type really, really early in life. So. That's right. You came out and you you had ink stained hands, ink That's stained right. baby hands. And I had a fedora on already. <laughs> and a fedora. That's right. On one side, and, you know, it just, uh, 
<laughs> Welcome, Bob. Bob is alluding to uh, we did Coast to Coast last night together. So, uh, and we had so much fun. We're going to do it all over again. Yeah. Jason, how are you? I'm very good. And last night was very good as well. And I'm happy to be back again. I'm delighted to have you here on the program. All right. Let me, uh, for those who missed uh, last night's uh, two hour extravaganza, uh, this is kind of an interesting um, um, chance meeting that the two of you had. First of all, let me set the table. A couple of weeks ago in Brantford, my hometown, Brantford, Ontario, uh, we had the uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo, and uh, I was uh, honored to be asked to moderate a panel of some of the top UFO uh, researchers, uh, disclosure advocates, uh, just a who's who, uh, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, Travis Walton, Stephen Bassett, Grant Cameron, Nick Pope. Um, uh, I'm probably going to forget uh, somebody. Uh, however, Richard Dolan, can't forget Richard Dolan, of course, and uh, and then the uh, uh, they were facing off against a panel of mainstream uh, reporters and journalists, and this is a f- the first of its kind in Canada. Uh, and the the, mo- the the adjudicators of the panel were, of course, our very good friend uh, Victor Vigiani uh, from Zeland News Network, who uh, is a regular on this program, and uh, the aforementioned Bob Mitchell. Bob, um, mm-hmm. just give me your thoughts on on how that that panel went. I thought it was a it was a raving success. Uh, I would agree 100%. It was a raving success for for the people that were there and and the publicity that happened uh, that was generated afterwards. Um, uh, the the people who were the journalists on the panel, um, they could have been. I, I don't think they could have asked any better questions had they been uh, the top executives at CNN or CBC or CTV or ABC. Uh, these were. Uh, not well-known names, but they certainly came up with questions that uh, uh, were right out of the wa- outside the box. I mean, uh, every one of them had something that was interesting and intriguing, and and they received some intriguing answers back. So, in that sense, it was great. Uh, I said before, I was very disappointed that the mainstream journalists didn't didn't at least want to come to this event to to cover it, but um, um, that's the way it's always been, and and I guess until. Um, you know, if something really happens, or and it has to happen in the United States, I must add, because I don't think any Canadian newspaper would touch it unless it appears on CNN or on uh, AP uh, Newswire. Um, but when that happens, they'll be sorry they didn't come out to this event because they could have made a lot of contacts that, that they would have been able to just pick up the phone and call if they ever needed a comment. Uh, now, if they're going to, something like amazing happens, they won't know who to call. So. Precisely. And uh, for they're those. Lost. Exactly. Well, and uh, I should point out that Tara McIsaac, uh, who writes for the Epoch Times, and you've yes, probably seen seen the newspaper uh, stand on the sidewalks uh, in Toronto, and it's in many, many countries and, and uh, in many, many languages. And Tara writes the Beyond Science column uh, for Epoch Times, and she's written uh, at least one. Um, a major article on the um, on the event, and uh, so if you want to, if you didn't get to it, in, get, if you didn't get to the uh, Alien Cosmic Expo, and you want to find out what happened, uh, just check out Tara McIsaac at Epoch Times Beyond Science column. It's online, and uh, some really, uh, really nuanced, interesting articles that uh, that she's written about that. That, and, and, and you know what, Richard, what, what has struck me was kind of amazing is that I think it was maybe. Less than a month before our uh, ET hearing, but there was that famous um, news conference at the White House where a couple of reporters from the New York Times um, 
chastised the uh, the president's PR guy for you know not giving a straight answer on the alien question. And I thought, boy, you know, they're really starting to to check in on this, and and perhaps somebody from the New York Times would have seen this as an opportunity to to get more information. But um, as far as I know, nothing ever got written in the New York Times about ours. But, no, you just keep running into that glass ceiling. And, yeah. Uh, it, it does, you know, Ed, I don't want to belabor the point, but I remember when Edgar Mitchell was in, in the UK, and, and I think he was over there when he first started talking about, uh, you know, he's talked to top Pentagon people and, and so forth, and, and uh, aliens are real and all of this, and there was quite a firestorm for about 12 hours, <laughs> and then absolutely yeah. no follow-up after. Exactly. It's, it's 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 almost, well, it's absurdist theater when you think yeah. of it. All right. Well, you know, in, in Europe, they, they take this more seriously than North America. Of course, of course, absolutely. Um, yes, they do. So. One day, our day will come. Um, now, speaking of uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo in Brantford, it was uh, there about uh, about a year ago, uh, Jason. It was your first time, I think, at an Alien Cosmic Expo because this is not this was not up until recently sort of your forte. I mean, uh, you know, ancient Egyptology and and past lives and astral travel. Uh, you're not you haven't been part of the sort of the UFO ET uh, arena, if you will. But you show up a year ago, and you have this uh, rather interesting encounter with Bob Mitchell. Yes, and, um, you know, when I went there and I gave my talk, um, I was actually quite surprised because uh, the room was actually packed, and a lot of the speakers, a lot of the main speakers um, that were headlining last year came to watch me speak, and they all came up to me afterwards and thanked me for uh, giving the talk that I did, and it, it really made me comfortable and accepted there. And um, Bob came up to me after that talk and asked me um, if I was interested in writing a book with him about this subject, which is about um, past lives, outer body experience, um, many topics um, in conspiracy and aliens. And it just so happens that um, about a month prior to this event, um, I had something uh, very traumatic happen to me where I got very sick. And that episode, um, I, I'll say that I almost died uh, a month before this, ex a month before the Alien Cosmic Expo. And it really got me thinking about, you know, I think it's time to tell people my truth, um, talk about who I am and what my story is. And uh, because basically, uh, I've been hiding most of this my whole life, and I was very fearful in coming out and telling a lot of these stories. Um, so it was almost like the universe just brought me and Bob together right when I made the decision that I wanted to come forward and write this book. And on the surface, uh, uh, Bob and Jason, it seems like kind of an odd pair pairing because... Uh, Bob, you 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 you've written a number of books on on UFO uh, UFOs and ETs and and uh, alien abductions and and these sorts of things. And but but Jason is coming at it from an entirely different angle. Uh, you know, astral oh, astral absolutely. projections and yeah. so what what absolutely. caused you what caused you to think I got to write a book with this guy? Um, truthfully, uh, the very first few words that came out of his mouth when he had his uh, his talk, he said that he came into this life with pre-birth memories, and in fact, uh, chose his parents. 
And when I heard that, I thought, there's got to be a story there, and I want to tell it. And I didn't really hear much of after that. I was just, you know, in my mind, I was twirling things saying, this is going to be a really interesting book if, if what he says really happened, and there's got to be a lot more to that. And he's talking about uh, uh, ancient past lives in Egypt, and I'm figuring, well, this all is kind of connected. And, and at the time, I, I didn't even know the book would even involve uh, aliens or abductions or anything like that. I just thought it was just a, a new uh, venue, avenue that I was going to, take uh, all my stories that i had written before and dealt with you know people's personal experiences their encounter with aliens uh their abductions on spaceships and and uh, not not really out-of-body experiences that i understood at the time to be out-of-body experiences um but when i heard jason's story i thought well this is going to be a completely different uh, book it's uh, i had no idea that, that aliens were even going to be part of this uh, book. I just thought it was going to be about past lives and reincarnation and uh, and then out-of-body experiences. But uh, it's interesting when Jason said a few minutes ago that he was fearful uh, about coming out and telling this story. Uh, everybody that I, well, almost everybody that I had interviewed for my other books uh, about their personal encounters all had that same sense. They, they had kept these dark secrets uh, with them all their lives, and, and these people were now in their 50s and 60s, and suddenly um, they found me for, for some strange reason, and and also for some strange reason they felt comfortable enough to tell me their, their deepest, darkest secret. Okay, Bob, I've got, to, I've got to jump in here. We'll take a time out. Jason Quit, Bob Mitchell. Forbidden knowledge, revelations of a multidimensional time traveler right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarkin. We are back with Bob Mitchell, Jason Quitt, co-authors of Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler. And Bob, we were talking about what, um, I don't want to say possessed you, but what, what, you know, why you made well, this decision that you were going to write a book with, with Jason. That's a good Qu- word to use because uh, everybody says that Jason and I were meant to, to meet. Uh, there was some, some synchronicity involved. And well, the other thing was, Jason, when you came into the Alien Cosmic Expo a year ago in Brantford, you saw Bob was sitting in the hallway and he had his, was it Incursions, one of his, his in, books? Intrusions. Intrusions, sorry, Intrusions. And you saw on the cover there's a picture of kind of an insectoid alien. And what did you say, Jason, when you saw that? I walked right up to Bob and I smiled at him and I pointed at the cover of his book and I said, I know that guy. <laughs> you know that guy, you've seen that guy. I've seen that guy. And, you know, that's my first introduction to Bob and... You know, I guess it's just also synchronicity that he was the first person that I saw when I walked through that door. And, and I got to tell you, Jason is an imposing figure in the sense that uh, he's six foot five, and I'm five foot nine, and I'm sitting down next to Stanton Friedman, so I'm already you know pretty low, and I'm <laughs> staring up at this pretty big guy who says he's seen a very big. Uh, insectoid mantis being, and one of the thoughts that's running through my mind is, I'm looking at a mantis. <laughs> right. <laughs> he seemed to have the same features, and uh, little did I know that uh, throughout our uh, 
meetings and interviews is, is that one of the things Jason has has stressed, and, and uh, he's not actually the first person that has told me this, but uh, reincarnation takes place in many forms, and uh, we might come back in one lifetime as a human, or we might come back in another lifetime as an alien being. So um, it's quite possible that uh, mantids, uh, some of us have been mantids in previous lives, um, yeah, there's know, something for people to wrap their head around and chew yeah, on because, for a while. because uh, everybody who's had a mantis experience, and I have not found one person yet that's had a negative experience. They oh, is that right? But absolutely love for these creatures, and they feel love back from them. So there's got to be some connection there. In fact, they all feel that there has been a familiarity at some point in some distant past lives. So... Um, who knows? Jason might have been a mantis at some point. <laughs> All right, Jason. Let me ask you how this works because I mean, Bob. I'm guessing that for the most part, m- most of the experiences that you've covered, these people are are experiencing either an abduction or a sighting uh, in the um, third dimension. Uh, and That's what I, I originally thought. And I think most of them are, but there's a whole other area to explore. Exactly, there. and that's and that's where you come in, Jason, because uh, when you say a multidimensional traveler, you're talking about astral travel. So when you say that you you saw that insectoid on Bob's the cover of his book, and you said I've met that guy, I know that guy. This was on the on an astral plane, right? Explain what that means and how that happens. Sure, sure. So um, it all has to do with um, going to sleep. And many people think, you know, you go to sleep and you dream. But there's other states of consciousness when you go to sleep. And one of those states of consciousness is outer body experience or astral travel. So instead of going to sleep and dreaming, um, we're consciously actually shaking ourselves out of the physical body and entering into an other dimension. We can call it the astral world or fourth dimension or any dimension, really. And um, many people that are sensitive or, or gifted, they can feel or sense or even see these beings uh, walking into rooms uh, when most people wouldn't have that sensibility as to um, they can't experience uh, those higher senses. So I can feel a being, let's say, walk into a room, but I can't see them with my physical eyes. It is only when I leave my body suddenly they're right in front of you, clear as day, like just a normal person is just standing in front of you. So these experiences um, are extra-dimensional or multi-dimensional experiences. And when did it happen first for you? I mean, I know you have a remembrance or a memory, rather, of, of being a... Um a baby and choosing your parents before you were actually incarnated. But in terms of astral projections or astral uh, travel and meeting these entities, when did that begin? I think it's been happening my whole life because I have very early memories of uh, things coming into my room in the middle of the night and, and really scaring me. Um, but, you know, you'd run to your parents and tell them these things and they just say, you're having a nightmare. Um, so I just kind of passed these off as nightmares. It was only later in life, um, in my early 20s, when, you know, you have that adult or young adult mind and sensibility where you know you're not dreaming, and then you start remembering, okay, I used to do this when I was a child, and 
it started to come back in full force around my early 20s. And your first encounter with an insectoid, can you tell me about that? Uh, it's very strange. Um, for, for people that experience these things, they'll understand what I'm saying, but these beings have no concept of sleep. So um, you, I'm sleeping in bed, and suddenly you'll feel a presence, and you open your eyes, and it's almost like there's a face, an inch from your face. <laughs> Lovely. That's great to wake up to, isn't it? So, so what's your first reaction? Your first reaction is, I think I've hit a couple with my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the insectoid got off lucky. <laughs> right. Right, because it, the, your first reaction is fear, and you're completely scared, and, and they don't understand why you're scared. Um, so uh, my first experience with a mantid is just me opening my eyes and have this big mantis face about an inch from mine, and getting very scared because you know you're you're getting woken up from a dead sleep and not expecting that. And um, the first experience, the mantid actually tried to speak to me, but it was speaking to me in its language, which I could not understand anything. And I just calmly replied back to this being that, I'm very sorry, I can't understand you. Uh, can you please speak, speak English to me? And it actually looked very confused and turned around and walked out of the room. Really? So no telepathic uh, ability with, with no. the, the mantis. That's interesting. No, not, not with me at, at this first encounter. Bob, does that square with uh, people you've talked to that have had encounters with the mantis? Um, well, the, the, the people that I've talked to, their encounters with the mantis, well, they will swear that it has been in the physical form, although one person that I talked to, is on, it's clearly in the, in the uh, out-of-body form, but... Um, they all had telepathic communication. Um, the only way I can think of why this creature was confused about Jason not understanding what he, he or she was talking about was that he or she um, knew that Jason at some point had been a mantis and couldn't figure out why he didn't understand what they were talking about. Ah, that's interesting. So, so maybe they thought they got the wrong person and they just left. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, but Jason is a little different than most people. I mean, he has control over his out-of-body experiences where a lot of people, it just sort of happens to them. Right, so right. It, uh, it may be something to do with that, too. When did you start to develop the control over your, your astral travels, Jason? Um, I would say... Um, it took a long time to control them, and it, it was not easy at first. So my first experience, um, you know, I was I was having sleep paralysis, and it was happening almost every night to me. I'd be frozen in my body, and I couldn't wake myself up, and I would feel a presence walking around my bedroom, which um, <laughs> didn't feel too good. It was quite frightening. Sounds like the old hag syndrome, which is... is fairly common fairly common yeah and um one night i just couldn't take it and i just shook myself and shook myself to wake up and i shook so hard that i popped out of my body and as i rose out of my body i can see myself laying in the bed uh still frozen <laughs> and um when i looked at the foot of my bed there was a very tall being um his head almost touched the ceiling and i think i have about eight foot ceilings 
uh, and it just looked like a, a black mass, like a big black shadow. And um, at that point, I just thought I was dead. I thought I just, you know, left my body, and <laughs> there's the Grim Reaper standing there waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that pretty much scared me because I wasn't expecting that to happen, let alone see what was in walking around my room. And I got sucked back in my body and woke up. But ever since that experience, um, that's never happened to me since. But what has happened is it's almost like a door has been opened for me. And I, I learned how to put myself into sleep paralysis. And the only way I could explain it is going to sleep, but keeping your mind awake. Right, right. And and once the body's asleep, it's almost like this, this it just shuts off and there's this numbness. And then with the mind, you just kind of shake your inner body out and then you pop out and you're just kind of floating around the room. Now, in, in certain, we're, we're coming up on a break in a couple minutes. We'll start the conversation yeah. now and we'll, we'll pick it up on the other side. But in, 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 you detail in the book how, um, you were essentially abducted. I mean, these were astral abductions, which is kind of a new, a new phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain how that worked. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll just say you're, you're sleeping. You know, you're having a regular sleep. You're dreaming and then suddenly something sucks you right out of your body. So you're you're abruptly woken up from your dream state, but you're not getting woken up in the physical, you're getting pulled out of your body in the astral. And there would be beings standing in the room and they looked like, um, the only way I could describe it is shadows. Um, they, I could not see a form, they just looked like shadows, but humanoid shadows. And um, they would pull my astral body out uh, shoot me up into outer space. I can see the planet below me. And then they would direct me to a point on the planet. And then they would drop me back down and drop me off at that location. And they would just kind of leave me there to experience the environment that they're leaving me. And I soon realized that these environments that they're dropping me um, is Earth in different timelines. So it was almost like um, not only astral abductions, but astral time travel uh, experiences. And and uh, the the one of the first places you got dropped off, and you believe this was Earth at a different timeline. It's in its future, presumably, mm-hmm. uh, where the planet was essentially rendered to ash. Yes, yes, everything was uh, scorched and burnt. Um, the ground was. It's almost like a dark brown red, and the sky was very dark as well, um, very red. And you can see the trees in the distance, and they were all just cinders. Um, and then they took my consciousness down into a bunker system uh, to show me uh, a person that was uh, trying to survive down there. But it looked like this person was suffering greatly. So whatever was happening or did happen... Um, this bunker did not protect this person. Uh, so, and that was the first experience of this astral time travel that I've been on. That must have been uh, traumatic beyond words. I mean, you must, I mean, that must have taken a while to recover from. Uh, yes, and it was, um, it's, it's a very strange experience because it's very real. 
I, I would say that you're using, when you're out of your body, you're using different senses and everything is heightened. So not only am I there and I can see the environment, but I can feel what's going on. I could, uh, I could like smell the air, feel the air. Right. So uh, it's not like looking at a, like looking dispassionately at a painting or a photograph. You're, you're experiencing it. You're feeling the wind in your face and so forth. Listen, I've got to, uh, Remarkable. Yeah. Uh, I have to take a time out. We'll come back and uh, we'll continue to talk about astral abductions uh, and the uh, revelations of a multidimensional time traveler. And that would be Jason Quitt along with co-author Bob Mitchell right here on The Conspiracy Show. Do not go away. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. We are back with Bob Mitchell and Jason Quitt. Uh, Forbidden Knowledge, Revelations of a Multidimensional Time Traveler is the book. I forgot to mention this off the top, but are we going to do the uh, the big announcement towards the end of the show, gentlemen? Sure. Excellent. We, it, Bob and uh, Jason uh, have a uh, another project coming down the pipe, and they're going to share that with you. And uh, let me uh, let me tell you right now, you're going to you want to stick around to the end because, well, it relates to disclosure. I'll tell you that much. And uh, this one is a Lollapalooza. If Bob and Jason are correct, this one is going to cause just tremendous, a tremendous uproar in uh, the UFO disclosure community and beyond, more than just UFOs. Anyway, stick around for that. Now, Jason, you were detailing one of your astral abductions where you're left on or taken and dropped on planet Earth sometime in our future. Was there any information communicated to you by these entities that, that took you? what this timeline was and what happened. Was it Planet X? Was it nuclear apocalypse? What happened? Actually, there was never communication with these beings. It was almost just like they just wanted me to observe something. And once I experienced it or once I observed it, they would come back down, pick me back up. I'd go back into outer space and they get shot back down into my bedroom, into my body and wake up. And that's how it happened all those times, all those times. And how frequent was was this? Was this every night, every week, every month? How frequent? Uh, When it first started, it happened, I would say, every month. It would be a big time travel experience. And then between the time travel experiences, I would have, I would say, um, alien intrusions or astral entities or past life visions or dreams that would come to me. So, um, but I would say the uh, the time travel experiences were the most uh, dramatic of all these experiences. Most people would lose their minds, Jason, if that were to happen. Where did you find the strength to just continue to live a so-called normal life? Uh, <laughs> actually, I have no idea <laughs> because I I really couldn't tell anybody. Uh, I, you know, I have the logic in the sense that I know that if I open my mouth, I'd probably be locked up. <laughs> and um, I did actually start to talk to my friends about some of the stuff I was being taught. And uh, just the looks that my friends gave me, I kind of just kept it to myself afterwards. Um, so it was a very uh, taboo subject. Um, and that's why I kind of just hit it for so long. But um, the most dramatic one, that I went on was um, getting dropped off at this uh, prison camp for children. And it, it was, um, they yeah. dropped me back off and 
it was almost like an open air prison with uh, big walls of concrete with barbed wire, and uh, you can see the sky, um, and it was the same sky. It was this red sky, dark red sky. It almost looked like the sky was burnt or something terrible had happened to the sky, but um, there were kids between ages of, um, I would say, 5 to 13, and they weren't wearing any uh, prison uniforms. They were just re- wearing regular clothing, and uh, there were armed guards there, um, and there was a tank in this open field um, that was enclosed by this prison, and... Um, I was basically witnessing a massacre, Mm. which was very traumatic for me because, you know, you're just getting kind of dropped off in the middle of it and having to watch all this happening. Um, And when I came back from that experience, um, I was was white as a ghost. I was very sick, and I was, like, shaking for a week. These were children between the ages of, what, 5 and 13? Yeah, about 5 and 13, I would guess. Um, so small kids and, um, I like, you know, people have shell shock or, uh, uh, post-traumatic stress. Like I, I experienced that after coming back from that experience. And, um, I was actually just praying and begging, like, you know, I'd never want to do this again. Don't take me. I, I don't want these abilities. I don't want any of this to happen to me ever again. And that's when um, the experience started to change. And when these beings would come to me and take me out of my body, they actually started to speak to me. And uh, they started to teach me. And the first things they talked to me about, and it was telepathic, so you would see kind of this being in the room, which just looked like a shadow. But you could hear their voice speaking in your mind, and they started to tell me about, you know, uh, the food and the water is compromised. I have to eat better and <laughs> drink better water. And there's electromagnetic pollution that's causing all these effects in your body. And basically all the information they started to tell me boiled down to, you have to heal yourself. That was the most important message that they would continually tell me is, you have to heal yourself before you could do what you do in this world or go on your path you have to heal all right jason i'm going to step in here we'll take a time out come back jason quit bob mitchell and the book is forbidden knowledge revelations of a multi-dimensional time traveler stay with us corporations governments and sometimes entire civilizations what goes up must come down and it lands on the conspiracy show with richard serrett We are back with uh, Bob Mitchell and Jason Quitt, and we are taking this for the full two hours. Uh, So just a note to the uh, affiliates along the line that um, um, don't carry us into the second hour, at least on consecutive hours, um, that uh, we will be continuing on with with Bob and Jason afterwards. All right. So, uh, Bob, this whole idea of astral abductions... When he started talking about this to you, and when you heard his presentation discussing this, these things happening not in the third dimension, but in the fourth dimension, did the light start to go off for you in terms of your previous experiences with abductees and so forth? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started to think that uh, 
maybe the abduction um, that were happening all around the world, and, and you got to remember, this is not just something that happens to a few people. There's millions of people around the world that claim to have, have abduction experiences. And I started thinking that so many of them uh, end up telling people that they're in their bed, they, they suddenly find themselves uh, flying through the air, uh, either up straight through the ceiling of, or through the walls, and they find themselves on a spaceship or, or in an underground base or somewhere like that. And yet um, their spouses never say they ever left the bed. The kids come into the room sometimes and they never see that mommy or daddy's left the bed. Um, everything seems normal, yet to them they have had this incredible experience. So when Jason started talking about astral abduction, and with the consciousness, uh, because when you're in the astral world, you're seeing 360 degrees, but you don't have a sense of a body. You just know everything. Um, so I started thinking, well, perhaps that's what's happened to a lot of these people, that they're not physically being taken up to the ceiling of their roof, uh, because that seems to be quite impossible in a, in a third-dimensional world. But in the astral world, that's quite Possible. You can go through doors. Uh, matter doesn't exist the way that uh, we uh, see it in, in to our eyes right now. And so, uh, perhaps when they're being abducted, their their consciousness is actually um, somewhere else. And whatever the entities are doing, or, or trying to get information from you, or or uh, you know even tapping into your psychology, um, they're doing it in an astral world. Uh, they're not physically harming your body. Um, that's not to say that there aren't some third-dimensional abductions, because I think they are, and, and some of them end up leaving marks. But uh, the vast majority of people don't have any marks, don't have any uh, anything to say that it actually happened, except they, they know it happened. And a lot of people say, well, where's the proof? And, and they can't give them proof. Um, so to me, it started making a lot of sense that that this is what's going on. People are being abducted in a very strange way and it's and it's an astral abduction um so the, you know, I, I think most abductions take place that way right right i mean it certainly explains a lot uh yeah. you know passing through solid objects and so forth however uh, well uh we mentioned the alien cosmic expo and of course travis walton was there that's yeah. that's got to be an that's got to be third dimensional. Yeah, uh, that was a, that's a physical yeah. uh, something that happened. What about Betty and, and, and Betty and Barney Hill? I, I think that was physical too. Yeah. Um, but you got to remember um, that happened in the, was it the late sixties. I think both of them. Yeah. Um, I think. Well, Travis, Travis was nineteen seventy five. Seventy five. Seventy five. And a lot has changed since then. And there is some uh, thought that whatever the aliens were doing. Um, they're not doing anymore. And that would also explain why there has been really a lack of people coming forward in modern times, like I, by modern times, I mean the last decade, say. That's, that's, I mean, that's I, a good I, point. These, uh, if so I'm not saying that they're not still happening, but if they are happening, they're happening in uh, the astral world. They, they don't need to take the physical body anymore. Well, there a couple of things that come to mind there. First of all, I, I, it's interesting. You know, one of the the um, indicators often of some sort of an abduction is the missing time. But if it's fourth dimensional and you're outside of time and space, then there shouldn't be a, a time gap. 
in yeah, those Yeah, I don't think there is for that. Right. Uh, if the there's other, a physical, there is still. Exactly. The other thing is, if we're dealing with um, uh, entities on, a on an astral plane, uh, does that mean that they are, in fact, of this, that they're not of this universe? They're not extraterrestrial, they're interdimensional. Uh, either of you can jump in on that one. Oh, um, well, I, I believe they're interdimensional. Right. So we're not te in these cases, Jason, where you have where you encounter the the insectoids or these other entities. We're not talking about someone from the Sagittarius, you know, um, constellation or from you know actually, Orion. Actually, we are. Oh, okay. we are. Um, we have to think of it this way: um, we reside in a body on this physical Earth, but we also have an interdimensional body we are multi-dimensional beings so we can actually leave this body and travel in that form to other places so um, i've had experiences in the astral or I'll, I'll just say dimensionally where beings from other planetary systems let's say sagittarius um sagittarius i've met reptilians from sagittarius <laughs> and they would come astrally or dimensionally not in a physical sense so for them to communicate to me at, on Earth, we could do that um, in this dimensional world. So uh, many of these beings have multi-dimensional capabilities. So they could reside in a physical body on a physical planet, but could also reside outside of that in the, their multi-dimensional hmm. consciousness forms. And, and I think they prefer the, the conscious form. Wouldn't you agree, Jason? Well, I mean, you don't have to travel in a spaceship. You can just go yeah. there <laughs> just by thought. Well, that solves another problem, doesn't it, um, yeah. uh, Bob, in terms of, you know, the, what do the debunkers say? Well, there's no, you know, the closest star system is X number of light years away, and in order for them, you know, they'd have to travel a 1,000 years at the speed of light and, Einstein, you know, counter to Einstein's theory of relativity, yada, yada, yada. Uh, if we're talking about astral travel, it's... It's instantaneous. It's all done with, the, with consciousness, and that solves that problem. It, it solves that problem, although we're going to solve the other problem in our new book. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I just think that the uh, – Jason to has told me many times that uh, when he's in the astral plane, it seems more real than this physical existence. So I have to think that uh, the entities that have mastered this uh, feel the same way that it's almost like a, a bothersome thing for them to have to appear in a physical form. Right, right. And if they do, uh, a lot of people aren't going to like them. So they'd rather come to you in a, in a conscious form where they're actually meeting humans, per se, who have some kind of understanding of, of who they are when they see them in this kind of form. And... Uh, and you mentioned the reptoids, uh, and we often read about or hear about encounters with reptoids that are not pleasant. These are um, perhaps, you know, among the uh, the nastiest uh, ETs that people you know talk about in terms of encounters. But you've you've had sort of both kinds have experiences with reptoids, haven't you? Yes, yes, and um, you know, um, <laughs> but. Let's just say that, uh, thankfully, I've had more contact with uh, the nice guys. <laughs> and the, but, 
just like mankind, they're good humans and bad humans. Okay, so are we talking about um, two separate sort of reptoid civilizations, or are we talking about a reptoid civilization, but there are simply there are bad actors and there are good actors? Um, actually, both, because um, I would say that there's many um, reptoid civilizations across the universe. Um, some of them very peaceful, very enlightened, uh, and some of them not. So, you know, I've I learned very early that um, you know th- this planet in particular um, has had a history with uh, not so nice ones, um, and there's other um, alien or entity beings, even multi-dimensional beings or astral beings that. Um, are very much involved on planet Earth, um, but most people have no awareness of that. They they don't understand that these beings have been with us um, since our inception. Right. They, they've always been here. Well, we have, of course, the, uh, the legends of uh, reptoid species living below the city of Los Angeles, for example, and then we have stories of uh, or sightings of, of craft uh, that appear to uh, be coming out of the center of the earth or descending into the ocean to some subterranean lair. So is, is, are these the, is this the reptoid civilization that is extant on planet earth of which you speak? There, yes, there, there is. Um, there's many more actually of other species, but if we just want to talk about, um, the reptilians, they, um, they've been here much longer than us. And I would say that um, if you look at the human beings from a historical perspective, it's almost like um, we came and took over their planet. <laughs> hmm. yeah. um, it begs a question when you're dealing with these entities on an astral plane, and thank goodness you know, most of your encounters have been uh, 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 peaceful, but what happens if you are attacked uh, on, on, on an astral plane. Let's say you're, you're. Um, I mean, can you be killed on the astral plane? Uh, and if so, then what happens to you in the third dimension? Okay. Um, I wouldn't say you can be killed, but I can say that uh, there are beings that could connect to you on that level and stay connected to you and influence you in the physical. And some of them can even pull you out of your body and take your body over. So this is where it gets into the religious aspects of uh, possession. Right. Um, So this is happening dimensionally, and there are some pretty nasty beings out there, um, and they're attracted to you for a very simple thing. They're attracted to you in what you carry with you. So they're attracted to your emotions, and they're attracted to your... Uh, thought forms, um, because what you feel and what you think actually creates energy uh, dimensionally. And these beings, um, they can almost feed off of that energy. So to to go into the astral or to go into these dimensions, it's actually quite dangerous. Sure. Because when you're leaving from a human body that has all these wounds and karma and, you know, stuff from our ancestry when we bring that dimensionally um it's almost like we're going to be pulled where we resonate to 
So if we're carrying pretty dark things, um, we're going to go to some pretty dark places. And when we come back to the physical body, we, we actually bring residue of that back with us. The uh, the silver cord when you when your your astral body leaves your physical body mm-hmm. uh, is or is that just a legend or a, a, a I, I've never seen a, a silver cord. Um, I just know that um, it's almost like waking up from a dream. Um, it's like when you got to get back to your body, it's like you're just back in your body. It's almost like an instant thing. All right, but Jason and Bob, uh, stay put, and um, we're going to wrap up this hour. And uh, for those down the uh, the line, our affiliates that uh, are taking us into the next hour, Jason and Bob will stay with us. In the meantime, let me remind you once again, the website, your portal to the conspiracy show, strangeplanet.ca, that's a landing page, and then from there you can go every which way uh, but loose. You can go to the radio page, the TV page, the live events page, and uh, also, please, say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett, S as in Simon, Y because I love you, R-E-double-T. Say hello, and as always, follow the truth. <laughs>